Namaste and in la catch and welcome to this episode of One World in a New World. I'm your host Zen Benefiel and as I've said many times before, looking at the ancient ways and the wisdom they have with namaste from the Sanskrit spoken as Brahmi means the divine in me recognizes the divine in you and in la catch comes from the Mayan which means I am another you. So imagine what we could do from that mindset, facing the world and others, and even yourself in the mirror. Great things are in store for that process. So thanks again. And this week's guest is Seth Elliott Santoro. Now he's this wonderful guy already, I can tell. He's an intuitive psychic advisor to CEOs and celebrities. He's uh, going by a smileologist. He's an international best-selling author, and uh, he's got several books, so I'm just going to tell you what those are. They're From Grief to Grace, a five-step guide to help heal from past once and for all. Smile from the Inside, a five-step guide to heal from anything in this crazy modern world. I like this title, too. <laughs> Smile, You've Got This, a guide to healing, especially in times of corona. And his original book, which is out of print now, and he's just getting ready to relaunch it, is How I Learned to Smile from the Inside. And I'm going to start there, Seth. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, me too. I, I think this is going to be a, an amazing apocalyptic chat. Um, <laughs> I'm so right? excited. We, we like to kind of unveil the similarities and where we can go, what we can do, and, and how we can get people places and things better aligned in order to do good stuff in the world, right? Yeah. So I, I'm curious, you know, the how I learned to smile from the inside. You've got to have a very interesting um, excursion or journey in life to have come to actually that acknowledgement, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. how did you get there? What was going on both from inner and outer perspectives, if you could share? Sure. So the that book started um, about 10 years ago. Um, I was in a, what I thought was a monogamous relationship. Um, mm. And I was basically working back and forth between LA and Mexico. I was working in a lemon growing operational company. Yeah. Yeah. Making lemonade, of course. And yes, making lemonade. <laughs> Um, I was, you know, doing everything, HR, resource planning, operation, everything for the, for the company. Um, and so I would go back. Yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot. And um, so I would go back and forth every two weeks to Mexico. And this time, I, my, my boyfriend at the time wasn't feeling very well and wasn't feeling well for weeks. And it was just kind of odd. So he was terrified that he had HIV or terrified that he had some other type of disease. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he uh, so literally it take it took about let's say basically thirteen to fifteen hours to get to where I was going in Mexico, but we normally made it like an overnight trip because it was just it's in the middle of the northeast. It's you know like five hours south of Monterey, five hours north of Mexico City, like in the middle of nowhere. Wow. Um, okay. So I get there, and the moment I arrive at this hacienda to do work. Basically, he calls me and he's crying and he says, I tested positive for HIV. And, you know, and, and my first thought was all about him, right? Like, I need to get back to him. I need to, like, help him, right? right. So 
I didn't even think about myself. I was just like, let's get back to him. So I called a friend. Well, you like, think about those you love first, right? And absolutely. Often, yeah. Absolutely. And I called his best friend and I was like, can you go over and sit with him for the next 12 hours so I can, like, and figure out how to get back, right? right. Um, and so I, I like, in a series of like miracle, it was miraculous really. Like I, I got back to the airport, which was three hours away. And then there was a flight that left an hour later. And then I made the very last flight from Mexico City to LA. I mean, just, and I was running. And as I sat down on the last plane to the LA, I, I, I finally could like exhale, you know? Yeah. And I got like, I was at, in my favorite seat. I love seat number 24. It's my favorite number. And I just, something like the universe literally- Well, you can flip that and the answer is always 42, right? right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, was, I sat there and I, I looked at the, the seat I was in and I was like, okay. I was like, you're about to go through something ginormous right now. And I know that it's obviously going to be bigger, more of a journey for him. But to be kind of a witness to something like this and how someone deals with this, I was right. like, maybe- I should like take notes or like document like what I go through, like these, these steps. Well, yeah. And, and from your perspective, you know, those that we care about, there's an empathic process that we go through alongside of them. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and it can be just as deep and, and um, confusing as their own process, even though it, it's not as life threatening. Yeah. And along those lines, I'm thinking, what am I, I mean, it, this, this year I'm releasing four books, but next year I'm thinking I want to release a book about like the friends and family of people who have had cancer, HIV, like, like how to help as a friend and, and what we go through, you know, because there's like, if someone's going through cancer next to you and it's your wife or husband or mothers, like you have so many emotions and I like to help those people as well. Right. And, and whatever it is, you know, my dad, uh, he ended up getting Parkinson's and then and, and, uh, told me that or told mom that she he would never she has dementia um, and told her that he would never put her in a home and, and unless he couldn't take care of her. We got to the point where he couldn't take care of her, got her in a home and three weeks later passed. Wow. And man, that was devastating to me. Uh, Mom's still alive. She's 91 now. That was 10 years ago. And she's still, you know, kicking in, in a dementia care center and has no clue who I am. Um, but, you know, and, and and this is my adoptive family. So we were just amazingly close throughout um, life. And, and when dad passed, man, that, that was devastating. So it, I, I understand the process and, and, yeah. and that's just one event, right? Yeah. And I just think that people don't, along those lines, people don't really... Like my mother-in-law currently uh, is dealing with cancer and we mm. went, we picked up and went to South Africa for three months during COVID and, you know, did all the stuff and got vaccinated and took all the tests. Um, and it was a really amazing place to be there. But I also like, not only did I ask her how she was doing, but I also asked my father-in-law like often, like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Because he's going through it too. You know, like he's, you know, we all have our own, process but anyway so and we also tend to hold it in we oh yeah let, oh, you know we got this, you know stoic face that we put yeah. on and, uh, men and women alike yeah right yeah absolutely i yes yes and that's why these conversations are so important you know about healing and, and the process because 
you're not alone. No one's alone. We're all, we all have our own process, you know, even COVID going through COVID, like we've all, even though it's a universal challenge, we all have our own individual journey within. Right. Right. And, and I hope, you know, when it first started, uh, uh, I turned to my wife and, and we'd only been married uh, a couple of years at that time. And, uh, and she's from St. Petersburg, Russia. Okay. Uh, so she's had some experience with types of, of uh, lockdowns and, and stuff like that, right? Okay. So I turned to her and I said, you know, I really hope the obsession on self-hygiene and sequestration will get people to turn inward and, and start examining their own lives and, and how yeah. they operate and, you know, and, and their values and morals and, and, and ethics uh, and proceed in a new normal with some kind of intelligent action, right? Love it. I love it. I think... I think there's been a lot of divorces. I think there's been a lot of like people breaking up. I think there's been a lot, obviously there's death within COVID, right? Sure. Um, people it's are- certainly a test of our metal. Absolutely, absolutely. Kind of almost every day is, is right? Like during this whole thing. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I, I was on the plane, had that thought. And then like a couple weeks later, I was like, I'm gonna do this. And then I started to write the book. Um, I wanted to, I've noticed kind of a pattern and I noticed that I, I just kind of put like what types of stages or, you know, do I go through? And then right. I put the five-step method together for smile, S-M-I-L-E. And, you know, and it, you know, it didn't, book writing is very interesting and very challenging. And um, oh, I know that one. <laughs> so I've it changed completely. Book, so I, I understand the process and how cathartic yeah. it can be. And the best thing to do, you know, I've been interviewed as a writer, is the best thing you can do is just write from what you know. Mm -hmm. And so especially in those deep, intimate, emotional uh, patterns and processes, to be able to pull that up to the surface and share that gives others an opportunity to reflect on their own. Yeah. Right? Not to mention the catharsis that you go through in the process. Right. Right. Yeah. And even, good point, because even when I was writing the book, it's funny because... I wrote it in kind of two stages. I wrote it and then I kind of put it aside for a minute, you know, maybe like a year or two. And then I took it out and then I started writing it again. And again, it was cathartic to, you know, to once again, go through it and, and give it more of a structure to where it is today. Right. Know? Now it's interesting how you mentioned that because I, I've, I'm kind of a cognitive scientist, right. Or turned okay. into one over the years. And because I want to know the patterns in my mind and how to manage them better. So in, in seeing that, I've noticed that there's cycles that we go through, just like you're talking about. You started writing, put it aside, you know, and that was just a natural course of action, right? And then it comes back around again for the next level and you go deeper and become more revealing and, and your writing even gets better. Absolutely. It's, Absolutely. A, it's a wonderful process, but you have to, it's almost like a, with a, um, we ascend at the speed of surrender. <laughs> right? I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's now, you know, I'm about to write the fourth book that I'm releasing. Um, I have the detailed outline. I'm all ready. I just need to sit down and write it, which is a big just, right? Um, sure. I have it down to like, because this is, I think this is the fourth or fifth book I'm writing. Um, I've only published a couple though. So I now have it down to kind of a, a science. Um, and yeah, and it's, it's, um, it's sometimes can be very painstaking. Um, Absolutely. You know, I've experienced writer's block and 
um, I tend to, uh, initially I started with an outline, then I realized, I, you know, I've got it in my head. I write stream of consciousness style. And, and mm -hmm. as we were talking a little earlier, I'm very tangential. And yet I bring it back around in time. Yeah. And make things relevant, right? Or hope to. Uh, <laughs> so in storytelling, I think that's one of the things that we need to be able to do. Yeah. Yeah. I um Something is like, so obviously I'm intuitive, right? So sure. I get these beats every once in a while, but something's telling me to talk about, like, so I have this children's book that's coming out next week, actually. And it's about how a fa it's called Finn and the Ferocious Flu. And it's about how a family navigates a fictitious flu pandemic in a faraway city. Mm. Um, and I can tell you that it's coming out next week. And literally I've uploaded so many versions of the final version because there's been issues. It's just been such an aggravating process, yeah, yeah, but yeah. the rewards and, and like just people are so excited and I'm so excited to release it. And it's just going to be such a great story, you know? Sure. Sure. And there is some truth in that, uh, not necessarily fictitious, but fallacious, um, ness of what we're going through. Now in the awakening process and, and how people are, um, and bless our hearts, you know, people are trying to do the right thing based on what they know or believe to be true. And we can't fault them for that. Yeah. Uh, hopefully they don't endanger their own lives as a result, which is kind of questionable based on what we know about the, uh, the various materials, right. That are going into the bodies now. Mm -hmm. And yet we still have to, you know, we're in this place where we need to learn to get along better in order to create some, not just sustainability, but thriveability in a new normal where there's more intelligent uh, interactions and sense-making, right? So how do you, you know, bring that, uh, taking that, first of all, I want to ask you what, uh, you mentioned the S-M-I-L-E, what's that stand yeah. for? Okay, so uh, S is for shock. I'm thinking sometimes I go through it first and then I kind of explain each sure. one. So S is for shock, M is for what I call mock acceptance, I is for in overwhelmed, uh, L is for learning, and E is for embrace. Right. So, so if you think about those five, I'm going to explain them, right? But like, I just want to throw in there, I had a teacher in college saying that you can't just invent words. And I was like, why not? Yeah. <laughs> why not? Exactly. <laughs> you know, my, my mom was an English teacher and, and we had all kinds of fun. I would I would create words when, when I was in high school just based on what I knew of language structure and, and prefixes and suffixes. And, and even today, uh, stuff will come out of my mouth. I won't even think about it and I'll combine words. And, and my wife will look at me like, that's different. Right. So <laughs> but it happens. Right. So why not be creative? Why not be yeah. inspired? Mm -hmm to come up with those kinds of things. Yeah, you, you, were, you came up with, with a word that I haven't heard, thrivability, but I've wanted to say it so many times. I have to I credit like... Michelle Holliday oh, okay. for that. Okay. Uh, she wrote a book called The Art of Thrivability. I'd interviewed her uh, uh... back a little bit and just amazing woman. So it, it needs to be where it's due, right? <laughs> I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. Sure. Um, so yeah, so, 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 the, so I loosely base this on Dr. Kubler Ross's Five Stages of Grieving, sure. Sure. Death, Great Loss. Right. That was 1969 when she came up with that. So I feel like I updated it a little bit for the 21st century because- Are you even born yet? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
but I, I do totally like in the book, I give her the props and I say, thank you. And like, you know, you gave us. Oh, absolutely. She's a pioneer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I hope to kind of help further like what she was saying. And, and because every generation is different, you know, and so the absolutely. healing process for, and, and what we've experienced has not been experienced well at this point in a hundred years, right? Very different world a hundred years ago. So. Well, it's a very yeah. different world than it was three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> right, right yes i mean let's be honest yeah. we're, we're faced with some challenges that none of us expected sort of yeah right? we we knew the challenges were going to come they, we just didn't know how they were going to appear <clears throat> yeah. yeah and so we're faced with learning how to get along better right how to love one another and and you know, and that sounds kind of woo-woo-ish, but it's really true. I was talking with Jim Britt the other day, and he says, you know, it, it all comes down. He was looking up source, right, and what it meant. And one of the definitions was love. So when you, you know, kind of operate in source, right, and, and as you, as an intuitive, that's where you go. You you go into those inner realms, however many there are, and, and that's still kind of debatable. We just know that there are, and that this conduit if you will of information that's available when you get into that place inside of you that's connected uh, i had an nde as a, a teenager in 1975 and the, the one thing the salient point i took away from it among others um, was that we are cosmic consciousness condensed into form mm -hmm. and just kind of unaware of it so that brings in the aspect of the point of light that's been talked about and and how it kind of goes back and forth from the great light and still connected Right? It's always connected. We just, because of our beliefs and, and, and suspicion or uh, superstitions, suspicions too, maybe, um, we don't connect with that as deeply as we can because we don't realize or won't accept the ultimate power and connection that we have with it. And science now is proving it. There's a, a dissertation by uh, Marunova who's a Russian academian and she goes over the, it's kind of boring and dry, but it's got English subtitles. But she talks about the recent scientific discoveries that show this global mutation of spiritual and bio um, combination, right? That we are moving towards our understanding of how we can truly ascend. And that takes, you know, that, that's a lot of different levels as well. And it, it's operational from the place of connecting at the same source, right? From which we all come. Um, science is starting to prove quantum entanglement now is the same in my book as what used to be called living in spirit. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. So there are those crossovers and, and, you know, I'm hoping that one of the things with this, um, these apocalyptic chats is to be, to peel back the layers of the onion and reveal that right with people like you and and, and others who are on their own journey yeah yeah i i honestly believe that anyone can be intuitive and can be psychic i think that's what totally agree happening to that that's the consciousness you're talking the cosmic consciousness and the source whatever that's where we connect with you know um i also you know i also connect with animals and, and deceased loved ones um and i think that's that's something that you might have to be born with, but I do believe that people have the capacity to do that too. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I do think that, or from what my experience is, 
there's a certain <clears throat> proclivity with certain sun signs, right? And depending on the, the astrological makeup, uh, some are more sensitive than, than others. For instance, I'm a cancer, right? My wife's Piscean. Okay. We're okay. both hypersensitive. I've been an empath since I was a kid, didn't know how to deal with it until my early, my late teens, actually, at, at when it was finally recognized. And I had a conversation with somebody about it. And I was like, oh, well, that makes sense, right? Uh, and until that time, I felt lost. It's like, I, I felt like everybody could feel that way. And that just wasn't true. <laughs> right? As yeah. I'm sure you've experienced in working with people and, and with yourself in, in that journey of, okay, this is going on inside of me. Is it going on inside of you too? Right? Absolutely. And that's a question we don't generally ask. You know, I'm feeling this way. How about you? Right. <laughs> Just right. So that's part of building new conversations and conversations that matter, in my opinion. So back to that point, the conversation you were having with self and, and going through this process and, and you're in your um, the, the second phase of your writing and the catharsis that was happening then. What was that like? It was a lot of inhaling and exhaling like I'm doing now. Um, you know, um, because it came together in such a beautiful kind of an organic way, um, the first time, the second time was, 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 I experienced like frustration because <clears throat> I was trying to put structure around like something that was completely organic, you know? Right. Yeah. You're so, trying to look for the flow. Right. Right. So right. you, that, that view, that being an observer at that point takes you back from the participant yeah which is where the flow is and, and yeah. you know it's an interesting uh, uh, perspective I it, guess. it, it yeah. is and i this the the book is built so that there's um you know there's like i explain s-m-i-l-e i explain all those five what they mean uh, and then within each chapter you know the s-m-i-l-e i explain and share five like personal very personal stories of how I experienced this and where I was and what was happening during each stage, if you will. So, well, you're so, like creating a lesson plan. You know, you were Madeline Hunter's kind of deal where you give the the, the precepts of, of what your uh, pre knowledge, and then you tell the story, yes. and you analyze it, evaluate it, and, yes. uh, and test it. And, and so you're giving these things to others so that they can reflect from their perspective, right? Because that's really what it does. When you're reading those things, it, 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 you investigate yourself during the process, or hopefully that that's our intent, right? As writers, mm -hmm. yes, absolutely. I, but also to go through the stories, I, I literally, you know, I had to once again be the observer and then kind of extricate myself and mm -hmm. write the story as best I could, you know, uh, and feel the feelings of them yet again. So it was. It was pretty cool. And I realized the second time I wrote the book, I realized like there was one thing that I hadn't really dealt with yet. So it was, it was, it was a great, it was a great, amazing experience. Um, and I find that like then when I wrote from grief to grace, you know, it's coming out in a couple weeks. Um, same thing. Like I realized, oh my God, I only use one story in it because it was very significant to me. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I mean, I've been kidnapped, I've had cancer, like, there's a lot of stuff going on, but this was a relationship and a breakup that kind of destroyed me for quite a while, um, and I, I can relate. Yeah, yeah, I, 
relationships go can run real deep. <laughs> yeah, I, I went through a, um, a really traumatic divorce that I didn't want. I had four kids. And uh, then my ex took those, took the kids, moved back to Indiana. I stayed in Phoenix, and um, it, it was just a really um, challenging process. We're still rather estranged, um, sure. and it's uncomfortable, and yet it's just what is. I, I done my best to show up, right, and, and yet that's all we can do. Yeah, I think, I think once we, you know, speaking about from grief to grace, because <clears throat> that's kind of where we just shifted to, you know, right. I, I believe in that book, I use the acronym of grace, right? So I feel like there's, after we go deep, which is the G, after we take responsibility and accountability for our part, you know, mm -hmm. like that's the R, then we activate emotion, then we go through it, you have to go through these emotions, right, to like, Absolutely. Yeah. You can't deny them. It, it, no. If you keep pushing the emotions away, you're eventually going to make yourself sick. Absolutely. Physically. Physically. Yes. No, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then I, I feel like in the grace method too, there's like the C. So there's the forgiveness, the compassion, right? Absolutely. So, but there's forgiveness for us as well as everyone else. Right. right? It goes and both and ways. And you can't like, really forgive others completely until you forgive yourself. Right. 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 Absolutely. And that's why I feel like you got to go through this. And then the E, by the way, is evolve. But, you know, mm -hmm. if you go through all these things, it goes this way, right? Um, then I think then you can finally get to a, the best place you can and accept where the other one is, you know? Like yeah, they, you cannot do anything it, about the other's behavior. You right. have to simply be okay with it and whatever, you know, if, if you're going to move forward, there can be no distracting emotions. I mean, it's like Carlos Castaneda was talking about Don Juan and, and sealing the egg in one of his books. And that was the idea that in order to become whole, you've got to eliminate those psychic cords that are attached to all kinds of different things in your life. <laughs> and, you know, and, yeah. and yet at one point, as I was reading, it was like, well, you know, I, I can't do that. I, I cannot... You know, I was looking at it from a, a different perspective that wasn't as clear as what I needed to be. And then when I figured out, oh, well, that makes sense because now I can be more present that I'm at least somewhat whole or more whole. And then I can give more from that place because I don't have the, for lack of better, codependent tendencies. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting stuff. So how, so taking grace forward, yes. what did you notice in yourself as to how you evolved? I, there was, uh, huh. there was like this levity that okay. I found. Um, um, there was this. Now levity means that both, kind of, of uh, humor that went along with it all as well as a lifting up or uh, more of a lifting up like a okay physical spiritual emotional yeah. kind of lifting up you know all right um as i was writing it like i shed some tears and this has been this is like 20 years later 
right? Mm -hmm. This is not like, this has not happened like two years ago, five years ago. That's why great grace, the grace method is about healing the past once and for all. So there was definitely some tears shed. Um, and then there was like some amazing learnings that I took away from it in terms of like, I, I always do my best to think about how the other person, like, like their side of the story, you know, like three sides of the story, right? There's like sure. your side, their side, their and, side and, and the Zen side, which is simply right. what is. Right. 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 Yeah. And I, in the process, I take people through like telling it from, tell it and embellish it and exaggerate it from your perspective. Do it, do it to your best. Right. Now, mm -hmm. the second step is now tell it from their side, right? Like right. Tell it from the other person's side. And then the third part is to see where the truth or what is what was happened right right and that's and when I you learned... step into that full observer self and you ask yeah. the questions and and just let it roll right yeah. no attachments to what you're seeing or, or hearing or feeling at that point yeah and i learned so much about what he was doing and feeling and thinking and i don't know if it's true right like what i think but it doesn't matter it you know, you put yourself in an empathic place. Yeah. Right. To at least attempt to perceive and ask the kinds of questions that might offer those answers. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, trying to think what else. It was so freeing as well because I didn't need to like defend him anymore because I kind of felt like, oh this was his truth at the time and 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 then i was able to forgive myself so it was like literally the whole book <laughs> like it, i mean there's so many things i learned right but like to forgive myself for what i did to him or what i felt like i did to him like it was like wow like i don't need to i don't need to blame myself anymore so 20 years later and <laughs> we're still dealing with stuff you know <laughs> well it's uh it's a process, and, and that, I think that's what a lot of, um, for lack of better, healers or people who desire to go in the alternative healing field or even medicine, right? Mm -hmm. they, their objective was to heal others, and it often ends up just being healing self first, mm -hmm. right? And, and if they're willing right? The, there are, you've got to be willing. Like I said before, you know, we ascend at the speed of surrender. You've got to be willing to step into that place in yourself and, and be available and, and be vulnerable. And I, I really think that's a superpower today is being vulnerable. Oh my God, yes. Yes. Right? And with all of, oops, sorry, can I finish your No, thing? go ahead. I was, I was just going to say with all of my clients, I learned so much. I mean, I do affirmations and one of my one of my affirmations talks about how like I learn so much from my clients because <laughs> what I say, I always hear like this little voice being like, "You can listen to this too," you know, like absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And and yeah. as a coach or or mentor or consultant, whatever, I, I experience the same thing in my transformational co coaching business. Mm -hmm. So you have to live by your words because you're going to hear them. And as soon as they come out of your mouth, you hear them. And I think that's one of the things about counseling we don't really understand. It's not about the questions that the counselors ask or the whatever. We're hearing ourselves talk and we have this inner processing capacity that really knows our truth. And we can be much more honest that way, mm -hmm. hopefully. Yeah. Right? It doesn't always happen. 
Oops. However, <laughs> the, the opportunities there. So there's this inner um, connection that we make in that process and then being able to see ourselves uh, move forward in it. And it's, uh, for me, sometimes I, I have to, I use the words excruciatingly fun. <laughs> right? Because after you recognize the patterns and, and how they introduce themselves and the signs that they're coming and things of that nature, right? You know something's <laughs> about to happen and you're going to go through this um, transformational process. Right. Right? Just like you've been doing. Now, how, it, it, in working with your clients, what do you notice that it is most impactful in their own process that you guide them through? I mean, obviously I'm all about intuition, right? So, mm -hmm. so when they start listening to their intuition, that's always very exciting for me. You know, um, sure. when I can start kind of, when they're like, what do you think about this? I'm like, well, let's talk about what you think about it first. Like where, you know, where does your intuition take you? What does your gut say to you? And obviously being in a world of, I mean, I work with CEOs, influencers and celebs. So influencers and celebs, I can use any kind of woo-woo word I want, but CEOs and execs, I try and keep it like, what does your gut say? Because that speaks to them, right. you know, more. So the gut, the gut, I got to bring this up. And, and this is something that I, I, I intuitively knew since I was young, but the, there's actually some ancient indigenous uh, teachings about the three brain system, right? Now, are, are you familiar with that? Yeah. The Not gut, the heart, the head. Yes. So the gut is where we connect with all the, the vibratory stuff, which we know now by quantum physics or through quantum physics that everything's vibration. And there's also medically now we know that there's neurosensors in the abdomen, just as many there as there are in the heart and almost in the brain too, I, I believe. So, um, so these kinds of things, then when we use the gut first, which is, they call it the first brain, because that's really where you connect with everything. In the heart, you process, you figure out, oh, is this resonant or is it not? Is it desirable or undesirable? Kaibi um, was one of my guests on my original One World. And, and he was actually Wofat on the original Hawaii Five-0. He was, uh, had a doctorate <laughs> in theology and was the rector of a Tao sanctuary. So th this man was just incredible. Wow. And he says to me one day, you know, the, the, we feel like there's two things. It's either desirable or undesirable. Right? And, and so that's the process here. And, and then once you go through that process, then you have better decision-making capability when you put your head into the game, right? Where most of us, it seems, live from the shoulders up and we're conscious <laughs> about what's going on in the body. You know, and it's just an instrument. We don't know how to tune it, let alone play it. Right. So, but we're learning. This is what science is helping us do now because it's taken it out of the um the theology realm right and it's not so much faith-based now as it is science-based we just have to learn how to apply it so and there's probably some science in that too so taking that then how uh and, and the gut feelings that your ceos use what are they uh, do you use think or feel do you distinguish between those two perceptual Realms. So as an intuitive, I find myself saying I think a lot, um, but that's not really true. So it's no, I, that's, why, that's why I'm bringing that up. Yeah, no, and I, I call it out. I call it out like, okay. um, I definitely 
do put way more weight on their feelings in terms of their gut feelings, right? Right. Um, because I also think there's a there's a part called there's like a professional intuition as well, right? So like I've been in HR for a very long time, <laughs> and I know that if if person A says this, then they're probably going to do this next, and then that's going to lead right. to this, right? right? Because there's just they, behavior patterns that, that we recognize over time. Like I said, the cognitive sure. the scientist comes out, right? Sure. Yeah. And so I consider that to be, I call it professional intuition because it's easier mm -hmm. for people to understand, right? Sure. Um, so I, when I, when they think about something, then I say, is that your professional intuition or is that your gut? You know? Because um, I make the distinguish, I, I think the discernment between those two items. Um, but very imperative. It's imperative that they make that distinction. In my perspective yeah yeah absolutely so how does that work for them and, and is there a reluctance to go there or have you developed the you know enough rapport with them that, that they just kind of naturally follow you and, and go into that place and respond authentically well, I've noticed that the longer I work with them, it switches more from professional intuition, what I call professional intuition, into more their gut <laughs> because they feel more comfortable and they feel more right. And they trust you more. And they trust me. Yeah. yeah. That, that, takes the, that takes a while to build. There's, you know, my dad used to say, damn it, Bruce, you got to trust everybody. And I'm like, well, you know, if you don't, they can't prove themselves as to who they are right? Because you've got this judgment or criticism or whatever. It's a skewed view, whatever it is. <laughs> right. Right. So you don't want to project what you think, believe, or feel about another. You, you need to just sit back and let them show you. And of course, once they show you, you better believe them. Right. Because we have a ten tendency to, <clears throat> excuse me, go beyond that. And say, well, that's it, you know, and, and give them excuses in our head. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So do you find that that's, uh, that, that excuse process unfolds and the recognition of that uh, begins to take place? It depends on, it depends on a lot. I think sometimes they're more willing to see both sides. Sometimes they're unwilling to see either side. So, and that's where obviously the coaching kind of plays in, right? Sure. That's where, that's where I offer my, you know, like I'm not a therapist, right? So even though sometimes I feel like I am um, to these people, you know, I, um, because- no, we kind of are in some ways, because that's yeah. the traditional view of it. You're offering help and that's like therapy. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I, but I like to shine light in places where they think, or there's darkness or there's or there's a blind spot and right. well those those unrecognized key points that are so profound and empowering mm -hmm. to others that they don't necessarily see in themselves sure and i i have a feeling like in your coaching you probably don't call it intuition or something but i i feel like you can also i think that coaches who are so good at what they do they just know things or they just see things or feel things. And that, and so, and, and if you're anything like me, then 
Like I see things and I describe my images to them. I'm like, like this morning, I'm like, I see four columns. I see the like the friends only column. I see this, I see this, I see this. And I see you kind of like sluggishly going through it. Like I paint pictures for sure. my clients because it makes so much sense. Or I'm like, I feel you're at a precipice. I feel like you're at the top of a mountain looking down and you have no idea where to go. But and that intuitive nature also, you know, we've got um, the learning, all right? So we learn different ways. We, we hear, we perceive, we, we listen, we feel, uh, we have visual, audio, and kinesthetic, um, you know, uh, methodologies. And, and then there's also the, the Gardner stuff, right, with the multiple intelligences that we're processing. And then there's the emotional intelligences, mm -hmm. right? So all these things are, are you know, part of this holistic system that we are and the objective that as coaches we have is, is to begin to help integrate that and by by being in that place for me uh, of stillness and you know waiting for the question to come up listening feeling the question offering the question and, and it we present it to them in, in kind of the ways that they're able to receive right whether it's audio video visual or, or kinesthetic and how we describe the process of the question mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. i'm also i'm being told to tell you this so i'm gonna go with it hey, um, go for it i'm also a very big proponent of like intentional plant medicine ceremonies like very intentional sacred ceremonies well that, that's the shamanic side of it absolutely right? and that's been around far longer than we have <laughs> yes Yes. And the, but I think most people don't do the integration work afterwards, you know? And no, I agree. As a, you know, when I was first introduced to that world as a teenager, I went that direction mm. and everybody else around me was just in the party mode. And I, it was really disturbing and kind of disparaging at the time that like, wow, can't you, you know, um, and yet there was for me. So I, I just had to be me and be okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely a powerful position and, and opportunity uh, for some. Uh, it, it can work both ways. It depends on your gut, right? And, and how well prepared you are for the journey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Set and setting. Set and setting. That's why. Absolutely. Very important. Um, yeah. Interesting. And there are other ways that, that and in that, um, so how, let me ask you this. Yeah. How can you, how can you compare that process to one that is similar, but doesn't engage the ethnogens? Nice. I love that word. Um, you know, oh, well, I mean, I also do this thing called emotional healing. Mm -hmm. So I do energy healing on people and that's more physical, right? Like physical ailments, blah, blah, blah. But I also do this like block, like unblocking of energy. I don't know what to call it because it's very new. Um, but I call it emotional healing and I have them, um, we talk about something traumatic that happened to them or something that's blocking them. Uh, and then we kind of shift it into that. We reframe it into their words, you know, like, right. like if they're, if they were in a terrible relationship, blah, 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 and they didn't feel loved, then I have to say, I'm, I'm so loved or I'm loved by everyone in my life. You know, that kind of fun okay. thing. Yeah. Then they say that to themselves. And then I do like 20 to 25 breaths 
And it's literally like energy work to unblock whatever that is or to open or to, you know? So, and I feel like sometimes that has not the, I don't say the immediate effects, but it has like, that's one way to kind of do it without. That it rolls out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's very similar to uh, another process called the Sedona method. I don't know Mm. if you've ever heard of that. Lester Levinson um, came up with that back in the, oh gosh, long time ago. Um, and it's basically, you know, you tune into the feeling, you, you feel the feeling as deeply as possible, whatever it may be, but you just embrace it. And then you take a deep breath along with that and exhale. And as you're exhaling, they use the image of a, a Frisbee flying out from your abdomen, right? <laughs> it disappears. So, sure. and through that process, he sought to get people to the place of imperturbability. Mm right? Where you're just in that solid state, <laughs> if you will, and you don't need any transistors or capacitors. Um, so in that process, there's this uh, natural constriction of energy, okay? Let's go into the intuitive side here for a second, yeah. speak to it from an energy perspective. So in that trauma, you call it blockages, but they're the constricted energy. The The thought goes there, the feelings go there, and, and it's almost like fear, right? Where you just, your whole body clamps up, and so you're unavailable for anything at that point, except your own thoughts and, and right. feelings, right. which are often not what you want to have at that point, right? Because they're traumatic and, and they're uh, extremely so at times because you feel that separation from everything and rightfully so because you've just constricted yourself to that place and so the process that you take them through with the breathing is the opening up of that and kind of the resurgence into that place of feeling connected yeah right well put (laughs) thank you i've been at this for a while and and (laughs) Well, that's part of the whole thing, right, is, is the, the apocalyptic side is to be able to learn how to articulate help with the help of each other, right? Because I never know what's going to come out of my mouth, right? It, and it's just, all I want to do is connect with you and have a, a conversation that's beneficial for, um, that was the old commercial from Beneficial Finance in the, in the later world, right? So <laughs> um, you have those moments of interconnectedness transcendence and ability for the audience to actually pick up on it and and go wow i never thought of it that way right and so we have those that's the generative listening aspect we were talking earlier about uh, uh, empathic and generative listening Uh, empathic listening allows you to understand each other right And, and feel like there's some similar things going on and then the generative side of it takes that to someplace new where you can go to play together in a new way, right? And that's really what I hear you saying that you do with your clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the optimal, right? That's the ultimate. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't met anyone who hasn't been shifted in some way, shape or form. Oh, absolutely, and whether it's incremental, uh, minimal or profound, it's still moving. Yeah. And everybody operates at their own speed right however they surrender and it takes years of this like behavioral conditioning right and it can 
And it can also happen in a, a very short amount of time too. It just depends on the willingness and the vulnerability of the person involved. Right. Right. Because they're really, you know, the, the, when you recognize you, you have that moment of connectedness and you acknowledge that and it's a reference point. It's like a file storage, right? It's in you. It's embedded. So now you can go there and recall it. And that's, I think, part of the secret is being able to recognize when things are going on, take a breath, go back to that place and bring that present. That's what I, that's so amazing that you say that because that's what I work on with all of my clients. Like, I feel like the faster we can recognize our triggers, our limiting beliefs, you know, awareness is key. And we can, like, I still get triggered by things, but I recognize it quickly. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a breath, like you said, and then shift to do something else, you know? Right. And, and as you say, the key is self-awareness. Yeah. Like, I love when, I love when people say, I've never thought about it like that. Or, yeah. wow. You know, you're like, yes. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah. like, that's why you pay me the big bucks. <laughs> no, that's why I do this work. You know, like that's, well, and there is value there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. We've gone for years thinking, oh, you know, uh, uh, I know I do this, but I, I don't value myself because it's not really valued by others because they all thought we were nuts. Right. <laughs> and now, right, it's completely changing in that value proposition has such an impact result oriented aspect of it that is far and above anything else that I've seen in the organizational development. You know, I've got a couple of master's degrees in business. I, I've been in some, you know, really uh, large companies and, and I still work on projects. I, I've got, uh, I do partnering for building road and bridge construction, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's where I get to practice the group skills right, <laughs> that I practice in my individual coaching sessions. And it's all the same process, right? Mm -hmm. Of getting people on the same page to agree that, yeah, this is what needs to be done to sense that direction and, and to understand that, yeah, the goal has its own prerequisites and they aren't ours. Right. And there is that distinction. There's all kinds of agendas involved in any kind of process. And it's the peeling back of those layers that can be excruciatingly fun. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and yet it's uh, amazingly productive in the results that you get and the happiness within the group that's doing so. Yeah. I, I love the way you use the word productive because when I talk to people about healing, I say, I want the most productive and most effective way to heal. Like, and I want to continue giving that and providing that to people as like tools that allow them to productively and effectively heal. And I know that's very business like speak, but. Well, there's various same words across different listening categories, right? Yeah. And depending on uh, this one thing I, I learned doing my show years ago, I did 
120 shows and almost 200 guests, and I paid attention to how people listened and responded. So I would know kind of the, and I knew the world that they came from, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's where they were actually at, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a listening at the professional level and there's a listening at the personal level and, and there's a, a range in between. So being able to tune into that, and especially as an intuitive, you're, it's not necessarily that you're being intuitive, you're listening deeper and you have this repertoire, you have this uh, reservoir of information of how to process that and deliver the appropriate response so it can be heard better. Mm. I, and I, I just want to add to that that I think the intuitive like only enhances that. You know? Oh, absolutely. And so, because I get a lot of images, as I said before, and feelings. And so those images are very, very cerebral and it puts people into like, it, it puts people into their space, you know, their head. Yeah. And, I'm like, and, and they can see it as well. Yeah. So that's yeah. really, really an important step. I, you mentioned cerebral. I used to call some of the music back in the 70s that I listened to cerebral rock, <laughs> right? Because it really takes you into those places. If you really, you know, pay attention to the music and the, and the lyrics, um, if they're understandable, right? right? There's this transcendent path that, that was available and still is, you know, and it, and it just, it, it, you know, music being the language of the soul, it gives us the opportunity to, to self-examine uh, with particular pieces, right? Or even to explore different things like with the classical composers. You know, they had these emotional places that they were writing from that they hoped would come through in, in their music. And wow, <laughs> they do, right? Huh. So how do you see, using that example then and creating the score for your life, how do you see the, the details unfolding or uh, maybe even unraveling in the work that you do and how that affects the, the process? Not just for your clients, but also for you. I, I guess Did I make I sense with that question? I, I think I understand the question. I'll okay. answer it this way, or the word that they're telling me to answer it is, I'm a work in progress, um, and we're all works in progress. Mm -hmm. And so it helps me and my clients whenever I'm in coaching mode or intuitive mode or psychic mode, because I'm getting answers that aren't from me necessarily they're from the cosmic consciousness the source love whatever you want to call it god right. um and so whatever comes from there is three thousand times more profound than i could ever come up with you know and i say that because as a medium i do a lot of, like um exploring with other mediums and we talk and share things and we do exercises and that sort of stuff um and I've noticed that just because they send me a beautiful image of a butterfly on a journal, like those two things could mean 400 different things sure. to the person sitting across from me, right? And, and that's the beauty because I think in every message is embedded 
two or three thousand other messages. Yeah, and and when it's for the the person, you know, like you say, okay, I, I'm seeing this butterfly on a journal. What does that mean to you? Oh yeah, right. And so you give them the opportunity to access their files, right, and then see what they come up with, and and you know, depending on how vulnerable, right, and, and how willing they are to explore that, because those those can be real trigger points too. And, and then, you know, you see that in, in the body language as they're, you know, as they start to cry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So now let's go back to the, the kind of personal thing. And, and, because uh, we are, this has been a wonderful conversation. Time's just flown by. I know. It's How funny. can you, or, or what might you offer to an individual that's listening as to how uh, maybe a simple process that they can use to begin to tune in and, and trust their own intuitive nature? Mm. I kind of, I kind of think of when you're learning and when you're discovering your intuition. I, I, I like people to play games. I like people to play. I want. Sure. We don't play enough, right? As humans, I totally agree with that. <laughs> I, you know, I and from my own perspective, I'm a nut in public. Yeah. <laughs> right. I love playing with people, and I will play with strangers. I'll hear stuff. I'll, I'll um, it, and it's just fun. Right. Yeah. Even through uh, the entire time of COVID, I, I've never worn a mask and I, I go into the stores and I see people kind of start to glare at me with masks. Right. And so I'll do something really silly. I'll engage them in some way and I'll make a comment and I see their, the corners of their eyes flip up. Right. And it's like, OK, cool. I'm good there. And, and you know, that kind of stuff. So anyway, continue. <laughs> um, so I think I believe that. Um, it's very important to listen, right? So if you're going to, if you want to improve or increase or just listen to your gut or your intuition, I would sit down with someone that you know, and I would not have them say anything. I'd just be like, I would just literally ask them like, hey, can you just sit with me for a couple minutes? I'm trying to, I'm trying to practice my intuition, right? Um, and I want the person then to sit there, take a couple deep breaths, and then just see what they feel, see what happens, take notes if they want to. Um, and then after five minutes or whatever, then they can have a conversation with what they felt, what they saw, you know, that way there's no, like, um, often when we do readings, people are like, yes or no. And that's very destructive, can be very destructive. So if you're doing it by yourself and you're just listening, then you have a conversation after. And if you get a couple things that images that make sense or that trigger something or, you know, like, well done. You know, um, and I think it's just a process like that. I think that's that's something fun that everyone can do. Oh, absolutely. And and, it, and you're not schizophrenic, right? Right. This is where the the emotional health system, not the mental health system, the emotional health system has gone awry, in that we seek to put these kinds of things in a DSM framework, right, and label them as disorders or psychoses or things like that. And, and you know, I spent some time in an institution when I was younger and, and I saw all of this, I witnessed it. It's like, this is so ridiculous, you know, cause I never gave up what I knew to be true just because somebody else was trying to tell me otherwise. 
right? Because it's my experience. You're not going to take it away from me and I'm going to process it. And it, it's going to be true for me, whatever it is. And it's going to evolve over time as well, right? So that recognition that, that, hey, it's okay to talk to yourself. It's even okay to answer. <laughs> right? Yes. That's the playfulness. And, and, um, and, and embrace it. Enjoy it. Um, have fun with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you can really say some crazy shit to yourself, right? <laughs> and you can see some crazy shit that you're not going to understand. Either. Right. Right. So, yeah. Well, it gets you to ask better questions. And that rolls out the process of evolution. Mm. Right. Yeah. So in our, our parting gift, what might you um, offer that was most impactful for you? I, I think I, I love the pregnant pause. I know, right? Um, there's two things I want to say, but one is connecting with people like the ability to connect with anyone just like you do in supermarkets and you know just like I do when I first meet people um I do my best to find something that we have in common as quickly as possible and it's it's become so natural at this point that I just automatically do it um but it's a way to connect with people and connect fast and um that's it's a skill that I've, you know, worked on and honed for years and years and years. Um, but it's also like, I also have a good time with it and I also play with it. And, and smiling is very just like, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I love getting to know new people. That's one thing. It's very impactful for me. Well, it so only takes seven muscles to smile and 32 to frown. Right. Gosh. Right. You know, even <laughs> if you're lazy, right. <laughs> it's easier to smile. You'd be surprised how many people I meet and I'm, they're not smiling and I'm, I'm always like, are you okay? Like, what's going on, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the second thing, I think the most impactful thing I've ever learned is to meet people where they're at. No matter what conversation you're having, you know, no matter what authority position you're in or friends or colleagues or strangers, like meeting people where they're at is so important because it makes them feel heard and validated and acknowledged. And you would be surprised the um what people tell me just oh i know i wouldn't i listen <laughs> uh the audience might be because they don't practice that behavior, <laughs> right, right. Uh, but yeah i mean when someone feels safe right and that's the ultimate feeling i think from that place because you've acknowledged them you've accepted them you 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 know there's no question there's no disturbance in the force. <laughs> Beth, it's been a wonderful conversation and Thank certainly you. apocalyptic. And I appreciate <laughs> your time and, and your smile and, and even the, the acronym of it as well. And I'll have that information uh, below this in the description. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here today. Honored. Cool. I, I'm in uh, me as well. <laughs>
So namaste, namaste and in la catch. Thank you for tuning into this episode of One World in a New World. I'm your host, Zen Benefield, and I will see you next time.